What is up, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. The only thing worse than having to pay a ton in taxes is not having to pay a ton in taxes. Andrew, I don't get that that catchphrase. That means you don't make oh, any money. Okay, man. there we go. Actually, I was thinking at first, like living in a in a government or a country where like there's no government, so it's just anarchy. I guess that would be worse than paying a ton in taxes. Anyway, my name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my good friend Andrew, who picks weird catchphrases and sometimes drinks beer. So what are you drinking, man? Mm. Not beer. I had far too many beers <laughs> with our guest last night, so I'm drinking Truck Stop Fiesta unshowered. What is that? See, Truck Stop Fiesta sounds like it should be a coffee stout to me, like a really cheap one. Right. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'll have to ask them. But I thought we figured it was just all of the random leftover That's coffees right. dumped into Yeah, every blend of coffee like premium. my mom likes to get at the gas station. Some of the light, yeah. some of the dark, she was some of the something. Colombian roast. Maybe she is onto something. Maybe I'm wrong. And rather than her not living up to my, cop, uh, my coffee snob ideals, she's actually transcended the level that most of us are at. And we are just not brave enough to follow in her footsteps. I don't know. Maybe it's your mom's business. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody can figure out how she makes the coffee taste so good when she's just driving to the gas station and filling up like a tub of each kind and then mixing it together. Here you go. <laughs> Six dollars. That's right. <laughs> uh, I am drinking coffee. Is that coffee then? Trucks up Fiesta? Is it like a yes. type of bean that you're buying at the store? Yeah, it's like a blend. Is it whole bean or thing, is it pre-ground or what? Uh, so whole, and then we have it nice. ground there. And then Wait, you grind like, it at the store? Mr. Coffee. I mean, like, we grind it at the store, and then I stand there awkwardly while they pour the beans in, grind it, stand in silence for a few oh, minutes. come on, Andrew. You can't leave. grind your beans at the store. Now you have grounds that are going to go bad faster. You have to grind them yourself with a hand-cranked burr grinder every single morning while you <laughs> listen to the Neutral Milk Hotel, Okay. <laughs> then you have to do a Chemex. <laughs> I'm actually like, if you met me in the morning, I don't think you'd you'd be like, no, Andrew, you're not using a burr grinder. Just get that shit in your body. Fair enough. Uh, I'm drinking coffee. I think it's from Novo, which is a really good roaster here in Denver, and I just made it on the Aeropress. Nice, it's pretty good. I am not drinking coffee. I'm drinking tea. Because um, in case you can't tell, I sound a little bit like uh, Kathleen Turner, a little raspy this morning, um, a little too much party last night with your with your buddy Andrew and <laughs> and your listener, our listeners. So much fun! Yeah, we had like a joint. So you guys did a meetup last night. I had a ton of fun. Yeah, we did a joint martinis and your money. Listen, money matters. Uh, a meetup at the financial gym, my company, and nice. um, there was lots of martinis. There were lots of champagne. There was lots of wine and beer flowing. So yeah, feeling pretty rough this morning. <laughs> and like and like the rest of us, I, I really wish that people could see what we can all see right now. We are all very dirty, gross. Whoa! Showered. <laughs> I am freshly showered. Right you're now, fresh- I don't know. Oh, what you're oh about. well, you you, really? you, don't, you don't, don't look, look that great for a shower person. <laughs> Try again, Thomas. You didn't. It didn't take. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. No, I seriously need to go get a haircut Nailed though. It. Like I, my hair is so long at this point. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. It- your 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 front fluffs are perfect, Thomas. 
It's like, I don't know. I need to go to the haircut. Just be like, cut it all off, please. It didn't work. So you keep doubling down on products. And it's, again, it's not. I, I did look pretty awful this morning, though. Yeah. Oh I mean, my the God, one thing about worse heaven. worse than you do right now? Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, creature from the Black Lagoon. Now I'm just like creature from like the sh- shade of beige lagoon at this point. Some of the black is sloughed off. Um, oh, fun. <laughs> Thank God we're not in a room together because I think the oh, I know, right? smell mm. as well. Yeah, or at least this Andrew is the one and thing I I'm like. jealous. <laughs> What's well, the one thing I'm jealous about? <laughs> the odors. Like yeah. I love living out here, but I can't really go do the meetups very often because it's I know. a little bit of a drive. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm. Just a little bit. Anyway, today what we're talking about is how to build and manage your financial team. Uh, now this is a topic that Andrew came up with, and I want to know right away. What exactly? Just putting the blame on me? Like this? Yes, is I'm suck, putting the blame so on you. Well, I want to know. <laughs> Okay, so I, I mean, I own a business, right? And everyone yeah. in business tells you that if you own a business, you need a lawyer and you need an accountant. I resisted that for a long time because I was scrappy and I figured that a lawyer would cost me $18 billion, which it doesn't, but I now have those. But as a, as a person, not a business, I don't have a financial team. So what, See, it, what exactly goes uh, into building a financial team? And am I just a weirdo for not yeah. having one? Well, so so I think you're kind of weird. I, I actually, I fancy myself a financial nerd <laughs> and I used to do my own taxes and every year that was like the 30 day period where I cried and complained <laughs> almost nonstop. And it's just the worst. And TurboTax is great in doing the worst thing ever. I just <laughs> never enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. There's always just a lot of crap. Because you needlessly and, complicate uh, your finances, Andrew. You're just like, well, I'm going to get 16 even, even rental properties that. and I'm going to invest in 18 different th- things and fundraise over here. Yeah, but dude, before <laughs> that, like the thing is you, you pay a lot in taxes and, and, I, and I don't know if there's much truth to this, but you always feel like you're missing out on that like one incentive or you could like save in some way you know, and so I would always hate doing it. Never feel like I did a good job. Yeah. Um, and since, and then mm-hmm. I've, you know, complicated my finances. And I've just never been able to find someone to do my taxes that I don't just like super hate. Like just super hate. And uh, mm. I also do like mint and stuff <laughs> for Laura and I. And, you know, I'm a nerd. I like doing that stuff. You still do mint? And then I kind of... You still do I'm mint? Sorry? Does it work yeah, for we, you? Yeah, we do it maybe... Uh, Wow. You're like one of the last. It just doesn't work for me because every financial institution now has two-factor auth. And every time Mint tries to auto-log in to refresh it, my phone blows up with two-factor auth codes. And then Mint's like, we can't log in. So the thing is, like, we just need to know, like, what we we, we lose, like, concept of reality on, like, where it's going. Yeah. But anyways, the, the point is, like, there are a lot of people who also hate doing that. And would love to be like, you know, Thomas, like you like doing this stuff. Just tell me how much am I spending? Figure it out. So what you're saying yeah. is if you're and, not and a nerd, you need a nerd. Yeah. And and so <laughs> even nerds need nerds or at least someone to tell them they're doing it right. And I think there's like this whole area where I've always had difficulty and people always email us and they're like, oh, like I, you know, need blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, good luck, because I've just never found anyone I liked. Mm. Can I make a comment here now, please? Yeah. 
I think it's a dude thing that you have very minimal teams because <laughs> I think my my argument is that, you know, guys don't stop and ask for directions. You know, they're not going to say, hey, I need help or I need another opinion or I need, you know, somebody to look at this with me. It's like you'd rather just say, I got this. Like, I can figure this out. And then I can we drive off the my cliff. way. <laughs> I can MacGyver my way through my money. So, like, I got it. I just need like a hairpin and like, you know, my my phone. And I I figured it out. And. Um, I just think that's, I think that's a guy thing in general that I see. We have, uh, at the gym, 95% of our inbound traffic is female. Really? And yeah, 95%. Now they're married to dudes and they're, or they're engaged or boyfriends or whatever. But, um, yeah, 95% of who's reaching out to us is female. When you talk to those people who are coming to your gym, do they often say that they are the financial person in the relationship or is it often the guy is, but the guy's not doing it right? Yeah, it, the, the the household CFO role is um, is different in every relationship. The majority, though, it's interesting. The majority tends to be the woman, mm-hmm. um, from from what I've seen, and um, and but it's funny when we get the couples who reach out because what happens is like whoever's the financial CFO is usually the one who's reaching out. And it's like, either they feel like they're not getting supported from their significant other and they need some kind of opinion and they're not getting supported because they're the CFO. Cause the other person didn't want to do it. You know, it's like, I don't mm. want to freaking look at that. I don't want to pay yeah. the bills. Like you do it. So they need, like they want somebody engaged or they feel like they're not doing it well. And, um, and they don't know how to get out of being the CFO because Again, they were like the best choice out of the out of the two of them. So <laughs> the, the best, best worst, worst choice, choice yeah. you know, and they're fucking it up like crazy. And they're like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. So mm-hmm. um, so that's why, you know, they, but it's women who tend to reach out. And, and the reason why and like the whole idea about the team concept is like I, they're just like, you know what? Maybe I'm not doing it right. I'm like I'm willing to spend money or I'm willing to invest to, that somebody is is better at this than me. And I think. I just think in general, I think women are like more apt to say that. I think we're um, almost to a fault, actually. I think almost to a fault, women have engaged in too many team members that maybe they don't need. Mm. Um, You know, so we were Mm. talking about this offline is like, what's the financial team? What does it look like for a person? Like like you're saying, Thomas, I think it's kind of easy to know for a business, but for a person, like who are financial team members that you might need or want? And I think the traditional ones is a financial planner, financial advisor, or in my case, my company, a financial trainer, um, and then, or money coach, sometimes people are looking for, then there's the accountant, you know, for your, for your taxes and things like that. And then there is, uh, you know, the lawyer aspect for wills, um, trust estate, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think those mm-hmm. are like the three core team members of a financial team. And um, sometimes I see clients have, you know, all three of them and they need none of them, you know, or they need maybe one of them, you know, or it's, but, but they just have this Mm -hmm. like feeling like I need to have the team because the team collectively is going to help me manage my money better. So it's going to be worth this investment to, to have the team. Okay. Uh, So accountant, financial advisor, and attorney. Oh, lawyer. 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 That's right. That one seems like a little bit kind of outside the financial aspect, but it, I, it totally relates if you think about it for a second. Yeah, I, and that's like that's what happens is like sometimes you well, I think that's the the value of having a financial planner like that overall. Like I used to be at Merrill Lynch as a financial advisor, and the um, 
the mm -hmm. analogy they used to give is that the financial advisor is the quarterback on the team, you know, like they're, they're the lead, they're calling the plays and, um, and then, you know, the accountant or the attorney or, you know, <laughs> it was not, over I'm my head anyways. I'm done we with don't the watch football, football metaphor, just FYI. Okay. Like I, I got, I'm, I, I had quarterback guard, right? and then I don't know who the quarterback the like hands off. Now, it's the one that stands so anyway, in the goal whoever's listening is, and stops people yeah, from right? the umpire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the goalie <laughs> we are a bunch of nerds on this call so i'm glad that I'm, <laughs> this isn't lost. the person running with the ball we right know who the quarterback is right <laughs> yeah, yeah no we, we know it is we're just being assholes <laughs> i was like yeah, awkward silence <laughs> <laughs> i mean right <laughs> so anyway like that's why you know and i think sometimes people are like well i'm the quarterback like i make the calls and um mm -hmm. and i think it just depends on you know how comfortable you feel making those decisions and some people just feel less comfortable yeah. like having control you know, of their and, and own the tiebreaker because of it's just super challenges. important because if laura and i just had like tiebreakers it would probably have saved us like so many like years of stress and fights. Oh, yeah. and, mm -hmm. um, oh my God. Yeah. We were, we were at, at, at the party at the gym last night. We have this leaderboard for like all of our like financial leaderboard for our top clients and the top of our asset leaderboard as the asset all-stars group is this couple. They're wow. up $525,000 wow. from working with me. And I um, thought that we, was net worth. Yeah, I didn't realize that was for four years. That much. They That's started with ridiculous. Wow. It's incredible. Oh, that's just assets. Yeah. Oh, that's just assets. Yeah. They started with 30,000 in assets and most of those were in re a retirement account. And now oh they have 525,000, wow. 585,000. So, or 55,000. Um, so, so anyway, they have been with me for four years and we started working mm -hmm. together when they were dating. So I was working with them separately and then they got engaged. And then we started, we had, we had a two and a half hour meeting when they, after mm -hmm. they got engaged over where they were going to live. Were they going to move to Brooklyn where he lived? Were they going to move in Manhattan where she lived? Or were they going to get a new, whole new place together? It was literally like this whole back. It was two and a half hours of negotiating to like figure it out. And then after that, it took, we had another two hour session where they were going back and forth about how they manage mm. their money. Like, do they have one bank account, one credit card system or separate, separate or some kind of joint? Mm. She wanted separate accounts because her parents were divorced. He wanted joint accounts. His parents are still married. It's really interesting. These yeah. things that like influence our money choices. So that was another, a whole other thing for them. So they, they just came in last this week and they were going to move to London and we've been planning this and, and um, all that good stuff. But they said to me, they were like, you know, we never fight about money, Shannon. Like most couple, like 50% of marriages end in, you know, or eight, I think it's like 80% mm -hmm. of marriages are impacted by money choices. And, um, and they said that, yeah, we don't fight about money because we've been working with you since the beginning. So every time we have like a money conversation, like, like maybe we should get a dog and they're both like let's wait till we meet with shannon like we're gonna meet with her in three months so the dog can wait three months till our next meeting or they'll be like maybe we should get a car and it's like we'll hold that till we'll have that conversation and they literally have all these conversations speaking of the ref andrew it's like they know they'll have a referee there and it's mm. like a safe place to talk about like whatever financial decisions yeah. they want to make and um and and that's where i think there's a value you know thinking about the team member i think you know having a financial planner advisor like creating this overall plan and keeping you on track for it, it could be really valuable. But I think a lot of clients feel like it is this third party who's this interested slash disinterested third party that's going to give 
you know, sometimes a lot of times tiebreakers yeah. for. I, I for had never really even gave serious consideration to to that like referee aspect, and I think that's huge. Perhaps mm-hmm. more important than like yeah. telling me how much I spend on coffee or you know how much I should spend on coffee. Just someone to to reason with. But the the thing yeah. is. Um, and I met, you know, obviously we know you and we, I've met like the team and everyone who works with you is awesome. But like by default, I feel like someone related to money that I will pay is like a step away from fucking me. I just, I feel Mm. like it's, how how do you, uh, I guess the question is like, how do you make sure that's not the case or appropriately screen it? Like for example, Investment mm-hmm. advisors often take a percentage of assets, which is like a horrible, yeah, terrible, yeah. yeah, worst. Well, don't hate the player, right? They got to put food on right, the table. Right, but, but look, like, if I if I yeah, have $10 no, million, but, dollars, but does it make which sense? I don't, yeah. But if I did, and you yeah. take one percent of my assets to manage it, there's no way that you're providing that much value to me. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great point, Andrew. This is like, like step one about the financial team is like, do I need the team Two is like, what mm-hmm. does it look like? And, and, and you pick the quarterback first in my mind. So you would pick like, if you really think you need the, the quarterback, the financial advisor, either you're going to quarterback yeah. or no. Mm-hmm. So if you feel comfortable, you, then you're the quarterback, but if you want a quarterback, then that is going to be a financial advisor, a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And what I argue and I tell people, I'm like, if you have a financial advisor who's just managing your money, like they are just investing for you, that's a fucking waste of money. Yeah. It's a fucking yeah. waste of money. Because like you said, it's going to be some kind of management fee because they have to eat and, you know, pay and like put food on the table. It's going to be a management fee or they're going to be in high fee mutual funds because that's how they make money because yeah. that's how I did when I was at Merrill Lynch. And um, and they're not going to necessarily beat any kind of index over a period of time. Yeah. So and 90 90% of your investment returns are based on asset allocation. Nine yeah. nine zero asset allocation, 10% on what type of assets. So do you have a mutual fund and ETF or whatever? Mm-hmm. So 90% of what you need to do know to invest is should I have 70% stocks, 20, 30% bonds, 10% real estate, whatever. Now, That's it. So you know, I, I want to clarify something because Andrew mentioned mm-hmm. there are people out there who they take a fee based on your assets in general, not, not the returns. Mm-hmm. So it's just like if I put right. $10 million with you and you do 1%, you're literally taking hundred thousand dollars a year yes. just to have it yes and you example, get paid no matter what okay so if the market's down and so what they what they'll argue though the argument is we're aligned like i'm aligned with you because i'll want your portfolio to do better because i'm paid a percentage no, of the total portfolio size but yeah. your portfolio could be down 20 percent, and they still get their one percent well here's the thing and so this is something that i've learned in business is you always have to look at the incentive structure for the other person wanting to work with you and in the YouTube world, a lot of YouTubers sign with what are called multi-channel networks. And these people will sign your channel. They say they'll get you better ad rates. They say they'll help you connect with people, do collabs, uh, you know, help you fight copyright strikes or whatever. But they get a cut of your ad revenue, mm-hmm. like straight up, just from AdSense. And so you actually make less net. You probably would make, well, they, their argument is you'll probably make more because we can get you better rates, but they're like, literally they get uh 40% of your ad sense revenue Ooh, straight up. Wow. So I'm like, okay, let me do the, but let me do the do math. Scrum. Clearly they're in business. And th- this There's is, so this is the exact too. same thing as the, the financial advisor that works this way. I was like, let me, let me do this in the math in my head from your perspective. Once you sign me, no matter what you do, you're going to get 40% of my ad revenue. 
And you're also going to get 40% of the ad revenue of the next person you sign. So it is in your interests to, instead of spend your time trying to slowly grow my channel, which takes hard work, you should spend your time signing up the next sucker and the next sucker. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dave, the guy that helps sell my ads on my channel, he gets 20% of the ads he sells. Mm-hmm. Anything else I do on my channel, he gets none of. So his incentive is to go sell more ads on my channel, not to go sign and, up more channels. Right. One of the reasons, and so we did this with Simple Wealth, where like you subscribe for some fee a month because, like you said, the incentive is to acquire a million customers. I actually don't want to have to waste all my time acquiring customers. I want to acquire somebody and then spend all my time keeping them and providing value because that's way easier for me. And then they're happy. They don't have to go and find and and essentially interview a new person, which is, I, I think, like, a more true model because if you leave, you weren't serviced and then the business that needs. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there, there's an argument to be made there that like maybe the monthly fee format versus just selling your repeat customers, a new product at a fixed price might be more on the other side of that. I'm yeah. not sure, but I do know that if I'm signed to a network that just takes part of my ad revenue, even if they put no effort into me, that's a bad incentive. And likewise, if you work with an advisor who just takes a percentage of your portfolio, no matter what they do, they could be digging around all day. That's a bad incentive. Yeah. And like I said, if they're just managing your money, then forget it. But if they're providing like overall planning, like true quarterbacking services, like keeping you on track with your goals and doing expense management and like and helping you like actually like put the plan together Mm -hmm. in place and and be that referee and, you know, have these other kind of ancillary roles in your life, then I think that person, you know, is, is likely earning their money. But, you know, I have so many clients who are like, I have a financial advisor, you know, who they know makes money somehow, or they're not totally sure how they make money, which is like, that's horrific. Like, but Mm. there's so many people who have financial advisors. And I ask, I'm like, do you pay a fee or do you know how you're invested? And they're like, not really. Like I, you know, kind of not sure. And at the, you know, they've had them so long, they don't know how to ask the question at this yeah. point, you know, like, like not really sure what to ask. I'm like, well, you know, get me your statements. I'll figure it out quickly. But like, they don't like feel a connection to them. I had this one couple, they had a financial advisor they inherited from, it was his, his dead uncle's financial advisor and they got a trust from him. So they had this money with, I think Steve, the joke was like Steve in in Reno. He was literally Steve in Reno, Nevada was the advisor. And, um, and I said, do you guys want to keep Steve? And they're like, no, but we don't know how to get rid of Steve. Cause like, we're not totally ready to do it on our own or we don't feel like we, we want to do it on our own, but like we can't with Steve, you know, we don't and know how does to get he have Steve. control of their money. That's yeah, also, and he uh, did. And he did. And I told them, I said, you know what? And, and actually what another problem people have with having bad advisors is they don't know how to get out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so they just keep, it keeps like saying in this bad relationship because they don't know how to get out. And I said, the funny thing is if you have an advisor you don't like, it's actually very easy to leave that relationship. Extremely easy. You all you have to do is set up a new account somewhere else. And you literally, when you set up that new account, whether it's a Vanguard or E-Trade or Fidelity, you set up the new account and you literally say, I'm moving money from, you know, Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, whoever, wherever Steve's, your Steve version is. And mm-hmm. you put your account number information from the new, from the old place with your social security, like so that, that they can identify like your account at the other place. And literally what happens is E-Trade, let's just say E-Trade, you open an account there. 
E-Trade will literally lift up your assets, everything that's at Fidelity or Vanguard and bring it over to E-Trade. And they don't even tell your, they don't even, I mean, you get a notification when you're the advisor, but that's it. And then the money's at E-Trade, you know, within a few weeks and you didn't even have to call your person to, to initiate that. Uh-huh. So that's, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's called an a It's the equivalent of canceling your credit card number when you don't want to cancel the gym membership or whatever, yeah. because you're just like, ah, yeah. I'm but is to it do possible it. that, <laughs> is it possible that when you sign up with an advisor, um, there may be a clause that if your balance goes to zero or something, there's a fee. Like, I don't know. I've heard that if you want to leave your bank, you need to make sure there's no clause. Like you're going to be charged a fee if your account goes to zero or something. Yeah. Um, it depends. It depends on if they have a, a management fee in place. I've had, I did have a okay. client that happened to where she moved everything out and they, and there was like this fee in the account and she was like, I'm not paying the fee, you know, like, you know, it was mm. just a bullshit fee anyway. And they were like, okay, that's one of those things. that's like, you don't want to get, uh, you know, you don't want to be going to the consumer finance protection board, you know, that you charge somebody a fee to have no money there. So like, that's one of those like yeah. bullshit fees that you don't have to pay. Like if it happens in that account, you know, you don't have money, any money there. How are they going to like penalize you? You know, they might have that clause because yeah. they want to mm. disincentivize you from doing that. But like, it's not. It's never held up. I can't imagine anybody. So there's saying, a, no, you have to pay this. There's a consumer. Uh, there's a consumer finance protection board that like you. Can oh yeah, we, you can. Oh yeah, it's, um, uh, it's online, and you could you could report any bank, any financial institution. Um, it's actually very easy, and and it's a, a pretty effective process. So if you had something like that, I would say go mm. there and and report it because that's just a. It, and again, it could be in the contract, and you know, there's so many things that are in the legalese of like when you sign anything with a new account, but, um, that kind of yeah. thing is like, I, it's near impossible to enforce just because of the bad okay, PR gotcha. from like, you know, Merrill Lynch or whatever saying, no, you have to pay us a hundred dollars to have no money here. I mean, just doesn't even make sense mm. in practicality. That is a little ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So you literally don't have to call. So what happened was with the with Steve and Reno, Nevada, we did that. Like we did the whole, we set up the new account and they are actually E Trade. That's why I'm saying E Trade because they had individual stocks and mutual funds, all these different things. And it was mm-hmm. sometimes it's more complicated with Vanguard to bring in different assets. So um, E Trade was like a, just an easy place to do it. So everything got moved over. They started, you know, we started adjusting their accounts and selling different things and like putting stuff together to get their asset allocation in line with what they wanted. And um, and the yeah. uh, and then um, like a few weeks later, we were talking about. It. I said, "Have you heard from Steve?" And they were like, no, they literally moved a million five out of this guy's portfolio. And like, and still six months later, still hasn't heard from Steve that they left. And they're like, that's so fucked up. Like, you know, we like, this is our life savings. They're like, we have a kid, like we have all this stuff and we moved our life savings and they hadn't, he has no fucking clue. And they, so they were paying between the mutual funds they had, the high fee mutual funds that he had them in and the managed account he had, they were paying close to $15,000 a year to, to Steve. And now, you know, they work with me. We have a monthly membership fee at the financial gym. So it's like you, you pay first three months is, is set. And then after that you can cancel at any time. So it's like, we have to prove ourselves every month. Otherwise, you know, you're going to cancel the account Mm -hmm. and they pay me, you know, $210 a month. And so in total, it's like $2,000 a year. So they save $13,000 just like just now, you know, just the first year. So anyway, but like that, that's the thing. If you don't feel like you're getting value and you're having you, somebody's just managing your money. Like that's, that's, that's a financial team member. That's just screwing you. 
Okay, so then, okay, so two questions. One, like, what is the value you should be getting from, I guess, the, mm-hmm. the quarterback role, you know, under the guise of, like, five different names? Uh, and then, like, how do you make sure that they will actually do that? Like, how do you know they're actually yeah. qualified? So, I mean, I think, you know, as far as, like, how is, if you have the quarterback, like, how do you know you're getting value? First of all, you should feel really comfortable with your money. Like, what's happening with your financial situation, where you're going, you feel really good about what's going on, how you're invested. Like, you're involved, like, you're a part of it, and you should feel really confident. And and what I hate is when people have financial advisors or planners and, like, I don't know how I'm invested. Like, I don't know how they charge fees. I don't know what's going on in my account. Like, things like that. I'm like, this is your money. Like you should feel, even though you, you maybe don't want to manage, you don't want a quarterback, you should still feel like you're next to the quarterback, you know, that like you're it's the quarterback's job to inform you and make sure that, yeah. You know. And make you feel confident about what's happening. Like we meet with our clients every three months, every three months. I'm like, here's what's going on. Like here's, and then here's where we're going to go. And like, what do we, or what do we want to accomplish? Like, what do you want to be held accountable for? Like, what do we want to get out of the next three months? And yeah. here's what we did the previous three months, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that's valuable. Like that's how you, and if you feel really good and confident about your quarterback and you're like, I tell people, I think if you recommend your quarterback to anybody of your family, friends, then you know, you have a good quarterback mm-hmm. and and that's for you to decide. Um, if you don't feel like that, like if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable, like you get a statement and you're like, I don't know what happened, but I don't want to call Steve. What the fuck? You should be able to pick up the phone and call Steve. He's got your money. Like yep. you should be able to text Steve, you know, like you should feel like I can talk, I can call Steve whenever I want. Like you should feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't feel like that, then, you know, get the hell out of there. But as far as like finding that person, I think you've got to identify like, you know, what kind of person are you looking for? And I think you should be looking for somebody who's going to do more than just invest your money. Yeah. Um, you want somebody who's going to help with the game plan, help like, you know, and, and somebody who's going to like, you want to see what they're promising you too. like, you know, are they, and this is how you actually know right away if you have a good person or not, they're going to give you all these promises. Everybody, when you're dating financial planners or, you know, the date, it's a dating process. It's like finding mm-hmm. a significant other. Cause you're going to get really, uh, detailed, like this person's going to know more than anyone else in your life. Cause they know your money situation. So probably yeah. more than your family. Yeah. More than your family. <laughs> so you want to make sure you're going to date around, you know, like look like interview a bunch of people mm. call like ask around who your friends, who they're using, or like, you know, look online and look for a few different places. Just don't go out on one date, make a decision and then yeah. see what everybody's telling you. Like say, see what they say. Like, here's how I charge fees. Here's how I manage money. Here's how I'm going to work with you. Here's how I'm going to communicate with you. Here's what you're going to receive like all these things and you know see who feels the best for you like who you feel the most comfortable like again picking up the phone or texting or calling like who would you feel like that and like if you feel good about that then you move forward and then what happens is like you know make sure that you're holding them accountable very quickly so if they say i'm gonna you know you hear from you're gonna hear from me in a month or every three months then you know make sure you're hearing from them every three months if they don't reach out to you in three Mm -hmm. months like Cause I saw this at Merrill Lynch, everybody made every dude, every guy advisors making promises. Everybody's like, we're going to have quarterly reviews. You're going to hear all this stuff. And meanwhile, three months ago by and it was crickets. And, um, yep. and now, and then, and then meanwhile, clients are like, I haven't heard from him. Like I thought I was going to hear from him and then they don't know how to get their money out. And then, you know, it's like pretty quickly, you can see if that person like said what they were going to do and they started doing it. And, and if they don't, then mm-hmm. that's also a bad sign. You know, if they can't, if they promised you things and pretty early on they're not delivering, then again, that's not a relationship you want to be in long term. Yeah. And I imagine the exact same thing is going to apply to 
your accountant, yeah. your lawyer. I mean, you're probably not going to be getting quarterly meetings with your a lawyer, but yeah. you should be able to you should be able to chat with them pretty easily. Yeah. So, so going back know? to the team, like when to have the team, you know, the, I think, it, you know, again, if you don't feel comfortable being the quarterback, then I think engage somebody. Um, and it, you know, I think it does make sense. Um, for, especially if you don't feel totally comfortable with money decisions or, you know, you need extra help or, um, you know, you can't do it on your own, you know, like people that there's the DIY worker yeah. out, you know, people who work out on their own people who need a trainer, you know, but, like I need to be held accountable. Like what, what questions can I ask you though? I guess the yeah. thing is like, it, whether, whether it be for you or, or for our tax people, I, I mean, honestly, I'd be like, well, are you going to do my taxes? Are you going to do a good job? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even really, I don't know. Get me lots of breaks. Yeah. I think uh, great. I, yeah. Save me money. Like, I, I guess like, how can I vet you? Yeah. So I definitely, you should be asking, like, you should have like a get to know you, like ask them a few things about them, like how long they've been practicing, like what their philosophies are like around, you know, taxes, like the expectations of how much they can communicate with you, like what information you need to give to them, how frequently you expect to hear from them. Those are like basically yeah. how they charge, how they're going to charge you, how much you could expect to pay. Like, um, those are kind of like general questions. And then you, you for like specifically for, uh, for financial planners, I, I say, I'm like, you should ask about how they manage their, you know, portfolio or their, their money philosophies. Um, you should ask to, uh, speak to other clients say, do you have mm-hmm. references that I can speak mm-hmm. to? Um, and to get those. And I highly encourage you to reach out to those people and ask what the experience is like working with them. Even if they're going to give you like the best person who loves them, like at least that person has one person who loves them. Right. Like, yeah. so, I mean, yeah. at least there, they, there's something there. And then if you're going to hire somebody who's going to actually manage your money, like a CFP or like a registered investment advisor, who's actually going to take your funds and manage them, the number one question I would ask them is how do you manage your money? And can I see your portfolio? Mm-hmm. I literally ask to see their investment portfolio. They can show it to you. They don't have to show you the dollar amounts. Like you don't need to know how much they have, but you want to see like, if they're going to manage your money, you're going to, you want to know that they're going to manage it similar to how they manage their own. Yeah. And because there shouldn't really be a difference. The only thing that should be different is asset allocation. Cause mm-hmm. you might have different goals, but the actual assets they are going to pick to manage their own money should be similar to yours. It should be in line. You should be. And then, you know, you're like, you know what? Like my portfolio fucking sucks, but like, Hey, Jim's is the same portfolio. So Jim's in it with me at least, you know, like that's, right. that's how hedge fund managers actually, that's like a necessity for hedge funds. Like the investors want to know that the manager is invested alongside them because then, you know, they know they're in the same risk pool. So it's the same thing with yeah. getting a financial advisor plan. If they're going to manage your money, ask to see how they manage theirs and ask for a statement. Most of them yeah, don't want to show it. Or we, and there's like, if you Google like questions to ask a financial advisor, this is another note, which is funny. Um, you'll see like a whole list and they're usually the same things. They're usually written by a financial planner or a financial advisor. And I crack up because it's like the same type of questions. And when I was at Merrill Lynch, we used to do role playing. Like when we were becoming financial advisors, we would do role plays and the role plays were specifically designed around answering these questions. Yeah. So oh I God. love, <laughs> so I love how they're like, here's the questions you you should ask your financial advisor. And then meanwhile, as a financial advisor, I was trained on how to answer those frigging questions. <laughs> so that's why like pick off the wall questions, you know, like that they, cause if you find like, I would actually Google like what questions as a financial advisor and I wouldn't ask any of them. I would find some really wacky off the wall things because they're not, you know, to see how they communicate and they respond to you. Cause otherwise it's going to be a scripted answer that they've been practicing literally yeah. in role plays. Like, 
hundreds well, of times. What's something I could ask you that would throw you off? That you'd be like, oh, what? shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I question, well, from the, from the manager's perspective, definitely how do you manage your own money? I think that'll definitely throw them off. And can I see yeah. a statement? If they say no, then like, what the fuck? You're going to show them everything. Like they're going to see everything on you. And if they're not willing to give you like some kind of experience right back, then like, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, like my, one of my trainers, Bridget has an account at Betterment. She likes using Betterment. She'll literally log into her Betterment account to show her clients. Like, here's what it looks mm-hmm. like. Like, here's my accounts, you know, like, here's where I have my mm-hmm. money. Like, you know, because we're about full disclosure at the financial gym. And yeah. to answer any a question, maybe your listeners are thinking, how is my money invested? It's 100% in the financial gym. So everything I own <laughs> is in my business. So that's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a that's private like equity. If I sign up for the financial mentality. If I sign up for the financial gym, will I have the same allocation? Yeah, no. You can't. You have to have two. Literally all of Andrew's money is going to the financial gym. <laughs> you better have a lot of faith in Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's my investment portfolio. But I'm happy to show you, like, the the rest of the teams and like what I would do with my money if I wasn't didn't start the freaking business. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I, but like another wacky question though, our, our question I like just like in general is like an icebreaker is uh what is something that about you that I couldn't find on Google if I Googled you? Mm. It's a really great question we've asked in icebreakers at the gym. I mean like the que- the answers you get are so freaking off the wall it's hysterical. I don't know what I would answer for that kind of a question. I don't know. I share yeah. too much stuff on podcasts. So it's just like, what's, what's left? <laughs> yeah. But could you Google it? Like, is it, is it on the show notes? I guess it may not be. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a lot of the things we talked about. Yeah. Nobody knows what kind of coffee I had this morning. That's not in the show notes. <laughs> Unless Andrew puts it in the show notes just to spite me. <laughs> just going to make something up. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas actually drinks that answered- cat crap coffee. <laughs> For me, the last time I answered that question was that um, that was that I uh, the first time I ever tried pot. I was twenty nine years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tried it old. this year. It was my yeah. first time ever because it's legal I'll tell you, here. My financial advisor told me that I was super trusted. Like, oh, you're okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, if they're willing to like get. You know, because I just tell people when you meet with a financial advisor, or financial planner, like you're getting what we call financially naked for them. Like you are literally getting yeah. so vulnerable and you're going to share all this information and they are staying fully clothed. You know, it's like you completely yep. getting like naked and then you're standing there. It's not fair. Yeah. And so so you've got to make it you got to feel like there's some kind of even playing field. And 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 part of that could be that they make you feel really comfortable, even though you're standing there naked or they're willing mm-hmm. to share, you know, a lot with you. Like I share a lot with my clients, like um, personal stuff and things that like other people don't know um, because it is an, a, yeah. an intimate relationship and there is a lot of trust that you want to develop. So, yeah, ask whatever questions you want. And you're entitled to. They're going to ask you a lot of shit. You should be able to ask them a lot of shit right back. Yeah, exactly. And is I what think, I would advise. So don't be embarrassed to ask anything. One thing I wanted to mention here, because it is definitely good to have a team, but don't let the building of a team discourage you from also learning how some of this works yourself. Yeah. You know, don't oh, yeah. be so, don't be ignorant. No, yeah. So again, either your your team is going to help and you know and help you and empower you to do it on your own or like alongside with you or like you're going to be doing those things or like the, going back to like, do you need the team? Like, do you need a quarterback? I, I don't know, but if you do, then here's how you pick the right one. Um, with I got a lot of clients who are like, I, I have an accountant. I'm like, why do you have an accountant? 
like if you're just a W-2 employee, you just get a W-2 and maybe like an interest like form or something like that, then like you don't need an accountant. You need TurboTax and a bottle of wine. Okay. Your taxes are so freaking simple that like don't waste $250 for somebody um, because you don't need it. So I've I've had to advise clients out of the accountants because it's like if you don't have complicated stuff going on and you know you can get it done in an hour then why are you going to pay in 250 bucks you're not going to get a whole lot of value from that Mm. so and that was the thing i was trying to kind of get at the beginning of this episode is as a business owner there are legitimate reasons for me to work with an accountant but you know when i was 15 years old working at the grocery store going to the library picking up the 1040 easy and filling it out was Mm -hmm. enough you know and and turbo tax is even easier than that and I feel like H&R Block and all these companies try to make it seem like, oh, we're going to find this smoking gun silver bullet that's going to save you a zillion dollars in your taxes. I think there's like 1% of people that end up having something they missed that saves them more the, than the 200 yeah. bucks that H&R yeah. Block will, will charge you. They're like literally filling it into TurboTax. They're like, what's they, your they name? Are. That's what's what your social using. security yeah. number? It's like you could just do that yourself. You have the answers. They have a, it's all just a bunch of algorithms. Yeah, exactly. And the only thing, you know, so when do you have an account? And I tell people when you have a complicated financial situation, usually when there's a business, when there's LLCs, when you have things to write off, um, that's when, that's when it gets complicated and that's when you do want somebody. And I I do advise um, paying for that because you are going to get value from it. But like for me too, like the first few years I had my businesses, I actually filed my own taxes because I wanted to learn Mm -hmm. how it worked. Like I wanted to know what it looked like. What were the questions that TurboTax asked me? Like, how did, how did I deduct, like, what did an office expense look like versus meals and entertainment? Because maybe like I would need to put more things in office expenses than meals and entertainment, you know, or if I could or marketing like how was how did that impact my return so i wanted to know um yeah. but like i was like andrew i fucking hated life that whole like week of doing the taxes it was like the worst <laughs> thing ever the worst <laughs> thing ever so yeah but i think like you know and, and the other thing too i think i also see a lot of wealthy clients think they need an accountant and because they have money um but the reality is is that um with alternative minimum tax which is apparently not going away in any of these tax bills um you're going to end up paying it doesn't matter how much you're going to deduct and like all your in, your mortgage stuff whatever you're going to have to pay the alternative minimum tax anyway so like just get turbo tax and 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 just accept that you're gonna get fucked because if you if you're in a couple and you're two W two employees like you just get screwed. I had clients. I have clients. They both make you know whatever two hundred and fifty. They each make something around that. We they literally they have a lot taken out of their paychecks and they still have like twenty five thousand dollar tax bills. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. So I had clients one year when I was at Merrill. They had a sixty thousand dollar tax bill. Whoa! Six zero. Yikes. Yeah. Oof. So, and because there's like no high, there's like when you make a certain amount of money, there's just no hiding anything. You just have to, and and you are W two employees. Mm. Like, oh, but when if you're you, okay. but if you've got the businesses, then you know you can deduct more, and that's when you get like you know you move that shit around. Yeah, don't hate the player. <laughs> so I tell clients, I'm like, maybe you should start an LLC. Maybe start a company. Like, start you know to start writing stuff off. That's really the only way you can kind of avoid the tax you know, situations yeah. with. I, I was talking companies. with Laura about like episodes that we do and like like andrew you have to stop like teeing people up for answers that you want to hear and like <laughs> I, I just feel like after having the llc it's like such a cheat code it really yeah. is it's like unfair it is. oh yeah but then like you should just do it too 
Yeah, that, that's what I tell people. I'm like, you know what? Like, again, don't hate the player. People got all upset at Mitt Romney because his effective tax rate was 15%. I'm like, don't get if pissed you could at do him. That, He's got a bunch of it? LLCs. Yeah. He's yeah. got a bunch of businesses. He writes it off through his LLCs. Like, that's that's allowed. Like, so, you know, create your own business. Like, you know, create a blog. And like, you know, if you're really into food, then you can start writing that off. You know, put it in the blog. I don't know. Figure something else out. Be entrepreneurial. It, it pay, That's where it pays to be entrepreneurial is in the tax yeah. code. Now, <laughs> not to get too far into the weeds here, but I do want to clarify the, the like cheat code you guys are referring to is specifically an S corp taxation, right? Not no, it's like, through not, it, it could be through an LLC. Um, but even like if you, you have a pass through, if you if you have an LLC and you don't elect as an S corp to be taxed that way, like what what benefit do you get tax wise? Let's take a super simple example, and Shannon, correct me if I'm wrong, but let's say you started a blog today. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you're writing on your phone, you're doing research on your phone while you're moving all around. You make $0, but you're using your phone like 80% for business. You can put your cell phone bill on the LLC as an expense. Yeah. Well, you could do that as a sole proprietorship too. Right. Yeah. You could do it as a sole proprietorship. Yes. Yes, you could. Which is the point. Like these entities are awesome because then what happens is you put your phone bill on the entity and yeah. okay. it is pre-tax, so it's essentially 30% yeah. off. So, the, so what I wanted to clarify rates. is that there, there's no real tax benefit to an LLC specifically that you can't get as a sole no, proprietor correct. Yeah, or, or other yeah. than the S-corp taxation thing. Yeah, and again, I- Which I, you can do in certain cases. I'd like to say I'm not a tax advisor. This is my legal aid. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yes, uh, and, and that's, that's a great point, Thomas. Actually, so I have some clients who are like, I'm just going to create an LLC. I'm like, LLCs are expensive and you got to file like tax returns for them. Like just, just say you're a sole proprietor. But the point of all this is create a business because whether it's a sole proprietor, yeah. LLC or an S-corp, um, you have to be able to tell the IRS you do fucking something. Like, you know, that like you can show them yeah. like, that you have a blog. <laughs> Like, you know, there's a reason why you're deducting your phone. But like, if you just work at yeah, Best like, Buy, don't create an yeah. entity. Just right. to exactly. Your I mean, you're gonna have to prove <laughs> that the entity work. that you're doing something. Like, they're gonna have to see something's going yes. on. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise, they'll they'll classify <laughs> right. it as a exactly. hobby. You know, and all exactly. those expenses. I just wanted to clear that up. Like LLC has some legal protections that are very advantageous if you're running a yeah. business, but you know, it, um, they do, you, you could, you could deduct expenses as a sole proprietor. Yeah. They, the other thing I the tell same. clients too, though, the LLC structure, they're like, Oh yeah, I've got legal protection. So somebody can't sue me and get to my personal assets. That's kind of bolt. That's bullshit actually. Because, um, I, I know for personally, like if they know who you are, somebody could just sue you directly. You know, like if they know you're the person mm. behind the LLC, but then they, you, they, anybody can file a lawsuit. If you maintain the corporate veil, yeah, though, also, wouldn't you be able to prove that these operations are happening through the business? And you need to sue the business. It's going to cost you probably tens of thousands of dollars of legal bills to to have it shift to that. Because if somebody just wants to sue you, yeah, if somebody wants really? to sue you, they're going to go to the court and say Thomas Frank did this, and then you're going to have to respond to their lawsuit. And you, Thomas Frank, and you could say, hey, it's not me. It's my LLC that owns the the whatever the YouTube channel. And but they're going to be like, meanwhile, you have to deal with that in the court system that it's a a lawsuit against you. I guess the question is, that would be a mm -hmm. huge pain in the butt and very expensive. But if somebody frivolously and fraudulently tried to go after you as a person rather than the entity they transacted with, wouldn't that be, I don't know, failure to mitigate or... um, they're like they're like trying to basically commit fraud almost. I, and I, I disagree because Shannon, let's say, for example, I was at your party last night and the roof of the financial gym yeah. collapsed and just crushed me. 
or or like it broke my drink and I got a, a scrape or something, I shouldn't be able to sue your investors. You yeah, know, the people who funded the finance, like that that, or 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 maybe I could sue the entity, but I can't. But go you after would the you would probably assets. try to sue They're me not, personally too. That. Yeah, I, I mean, this is like. I, I mean, but then I I would need probably a basis to be like Shannon was negligent. She stood yeah. me under that weak yeah, part of the, the roof. Yeah, and the point is, that, what I'm saying is like anybody die. can do that, and like, and then it's going to be a legal cost for you to try mm. to prove mm. that it shouldn't exist. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is a legal cost, and we could do a whole episode on LLC stuff at some point because this is going to turn into one yeah but speaking of because uh, the third member of the team we're talking about the lawyer so this is another mm-hmm. situation where i have clients who are like i need to get a lawyer because i need a will and i'm like well you know wills are boilerplate okay so like legal zoom does a great job of like wills and living wills and stuff like that and you you for 250 bucks you can or i think it's 125 a person like you can go online and do it there and you know just have it notarized mm. in your state so you know wills are very boilerplate if it's something is very boilerplate then like don't pay a lawyer because they're gonna just plug the same thing in mm. just like we we're talking about turbo acts they're just gonna plug basic things yeah. in and charge you more money but if you do have some complicated mm-hmm. situations like trust if you have kids with special needs um sometimes it does make sense to engage um attorneys to uh to set up the trust structures and things like that yeah okay yes all right well so we've covered accountants financial planners lawyers i want to add one more okay yeah who else is on the team um so so i i've i always attach to add a weird thing to the list but but i think like it is super important to have for lack of a better term like financial friends or people that you could essentially uh, like, for example, we were at the phone party last night. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, sometimes you just need to uh, hear someone else who's in a, a similar situation and how it's going for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just get another opinion or just be able to talk about it where it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, relate, learn, support each other. Uh, oftentimes like you don't want to talk about that with your family because then it complicates things and you might not even want to talk about it with your best friends because then every time you go out to dinner, it gets weird if, I don't know, if you're splitting a 50-50 and you make $100 million and they make $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I call it the so, accountability buddy. I think it's always really good to have an accountability mm-hmm. buddy. Um, I always say, yeah, like the financial the financial friend who's going to keep you in check. And I, I tell people like how you know that it's a good financial friend for you is – uh, they're the person who, like, if you're thinking about spending money, who's not going to be like, you deserve this. You, <laughs> you should get it. Like you deserve it. The friend who says that you should fucking fire as your financial accountability mm. buddy. Like maybe they're good for going out and having a few cocktails, but like, they're not going to be good for keeping you in line with your financial goals. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have this friend who, who asks Laura and I, if she can, if she can or buy or should buy things, and we just always say no, and I think she knows that, and then she asks us, she knows yeah, we're gonna say no. That's a no. good friend, yeah. Um, friends don't let friends know. make money mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's like the but Andrew the, the subcategory is definitely the accountability party, and I think I think probably our listeners would say that like podcasts, like your the podcasts you listen to, kind of become like that too, for where you get your education and knowledge. Yeah. Ooh, we should release an episode just called "Should I Buy That Thing?" and then we just—it's no. just one second. No, <laughs> people can just keep that on their phone. 
I, I knew you were going to say no, and it still excited me. I was like, yeah, that's, I like that. Thing? I don't know. What's, what's he going to say? No. <laughs> don't people like call into Susie Orman? They're like, I really want to buy a boat, but I actually am in like $10,000 of credit card debt and live in my mom's basement. And yeah. it's just the no show. It is. Pretty people, much. I think people just watch it for that. And then they're like, what an idiot. But meanwhile, people do something similar all the time. Like personally, and they're like, that guy's an idiot. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah, I'm only in $8,000 of credit card debt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think we've covered it pretty well. But uh, obviously, you have an entire gym that people can yeah. check out and possibly get you on their financial team, all kinds of stuff. So where can people go to learn more about you, connect with you, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, they can find us on financialgym.com and we're on Instagram at the financial gym or on Twitter financial gym. Um, and we have free 15 minute warm up calls. And so I tell people, um, you know, I, I mean, I created this business because I came from Merrill Lynch and I hated it. And I saw what, what was wrong about the quarterback, the bad quarterback scenario. So, um, you know, from the charging a fee for assets from just managing money. Um, so that's why I created this. It's, it's a monthly fee that starts at $85 a month. Um, and we, we actually have a student program that I think we started because the last time I was on this show, cause Thomas, you have a bunch of, uh, followers like that. And somebody was in college and they were like, how mm -hmm. do I afford this? So we actually have like a, a student membership as well, but, um, but oh, yeah, nice. but so it's like you pay a monthly fee and if you're not getting your value, then cancel it. You know, like I, that's like, mm. you can do it, Yeah. but our, we have, you can sign up for a free 15 minute warm up call. And I tell people just, just to do it, just to check, you know, like say, Hey, I've got this. Does this sound right to you? Because my team who's going to do that call is like, they have no incentive to sign you up. You know, the whole point of it is like, literally yeah. it is a warm up, like to warm you up about financially. And do you feel comfortable and what's going on with your financial picture? So it for nothing else so they should before they call you come up with a few like weird yeah. oddball questions and just try yeah. and throw them off there we go shannon show me your show asset. me your assets i love it <laughs> i need i need to see the betterment account <laughs> do it all right well shannon it's always awesome to talk to you i'm sure you guys had a great yeah, time last night them. It was a little sad that I couldn't be there, but eh, yeah. I was also skiing. And you're also ended not at drinking. nine, which means we yeah. left at midnight. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, after party. Well, I'm sure I will see you guys, I don't know, at some point before the first half of next year because I always seem to end up in New York City in March. It just seems to happen. I don't know why, but. <laughs> just make sure you're not on the wagon when you come to New York. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's, I'll be fine. It's, it's Christmas when it ends. Yep. Yeah, leave the wagon in Colorado. <laughs> That's where wagons belong, out in Colorado, on the plains. Or anyway, guys, thanks for listening. As always, you can find our show notes for this episode and every other episode of this show at listenmoneymatters.com slash show. You can also find our favorite resources, apps, books, things that we think will improve your financial life over at our toolbox, which you can find by typing in listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox into whatever device you stare at for 17 hours a day. And I think that's it. So thanks for listening, and we will see you guys in our next episode. Later. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs> 